Hey everyone, this is Steve Hernandez, host of the Waterwise Pro Podcast. This is episode number 15, and I brought back our boy Robert Gonzalez from the city of Santa Ana to uh, to chat with me tonight. How's it going, Robert? Not too bad, Steve. Doing pretty good. Right on, man. How, how you been? You, uh, you dealing with this COVID stuff still? I'm hanging in there. I got my mask on as we speak, to, you know, to show, uh, you know, take the severity of it. So, <laughs> Even on the podcast, huh? Even on the Keep podcast. Safe. Safety first. <laughs> <laughs> right on man i'm not on that level man but uh i appreciate you uh you know making sure you're safe on your end get, not getting me sick um so we got a couple topics we want to talk about tonight but for the most part we're just gonna you know uh ad lib this thing and then uh and uh just you know ask questions back and forth and uh we'll just go from there man and uh, i think i think the guys that uh and girls that listen to this podcast will uh, will appreciate that and not so formal and uh, not so, not too techy. We'll talk about some tech stuff. Talk about some operator stuff. We'll talk about recruitment processes and uh, and all that good stuff. So uh, a little bit for everybody. Okay, sound good? Sounds good, man. Cool, man. Uh, so you know, I think uh, one of the questions that was asked recently uh, to me was about nitrification and you know how to best deal with nitrification in a reservoir. You know, down in Southern California. A lot of agencies buy uh, water for Metropolitan Water District, and Metropolitan Water District uh, uses a total um, total residual, right? They're using chloramines, so chlorine and ammonia, to disinfect their water because they're sending water out far, far to all their you know all their customers, all their agencies, all their cities that they're providing water to, and you need that long lasting residual uh, to get to that that last customer. So. Uh, the chloramines, uh, the ammonia mixed with the chlorine, the ammonia acts as that preservative to chlor- uh, chlorine and uh, to make sure that residual is there. So, I mean, again, uh, chloramines is longest lasting form of chlorine. Uh, but in uh, you know, a lot of agencies, um, they don't use a total residual. They use a free residual. So they're just using sodium hypochlorite or chlorine gas. Uh, yeah, I said chlorine gas, right? <laughs> Not too many people use chlorine gas, but... There's some of them uh, out there still. Um, And so they're challenged with this, uh, you know, these, these, these nitrification issues or possible nitrification issues. Have you as an operator um, had to deal with, you know, that being an issue at your, uh, your agency, Robert? Yeah. um, At Santa Ana, we're uh, one of the agencies um, that do purchase import water from metropolitan district. Uh, We have an agreement with the metropolitan water district to purchase an X amount of uh, acre feet of water uh, specifics of it are gets pretty deep, but um, we change that from year to year per our, uh, per our plan for management and how they uh, manage it. But given different times of the year, we do uh, have connections open that do um, feed water into our system. Uh, we feed it directly into our system. We don't um, directly fill reservoirs or, or uh, run solely on it, so we're blending it consistently. Um, and with these our, are mainly with our, during like summer months. Uh, summer months, yes, and then sometimes during the winter months, we do um, we do take um, metropolitan in. Sometimes during the winter months, we'll take it more, um, given uh, you know costs and how much it's going to be for our um, the year total. But yeah, uh, you know the gist of it is we do continually take metropolitan water district, whether it's a larger uh, a larger amount or a less amount. We do always have uh, some form of a uh, metropolitan or import water, and that's who we solely use. We don't uh, use any other wholesale provider for our import water, strictly metropolitan. If not, we're pumping it from the ground. 
Yeah. And so what, okay. So, so let's start with this. Like what kind of residual, what kind of free residual are you normally running in your system? Um, it varies, but when we, uh, and I, I work in operations, um, we call it, excuse me, but computer, but no, I work in operations. So, uh, operations could be production or plants, um, to kind of relate to people out in the field. Uh, so we concern is when we're putting out there, we like to put a, at a 0.8 residual, um, okay. we like to keep that consistent. Do we vary sometimes throughout the year? Yeah, but um, that's our target goal. And, and we consistently meet that goal. I don't think any other times do we have an issue with uh, not meeting that goal. Um, right. we, and you're using, you're using, uh, you're still using the on-site generation, creating that 0.8% solution. Yeah, we use on-site generation, uh, sodium hypochlorite, low strength, uh, okay. 0.8%. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we uh, dose that with our system wells and our reservoir wells. Okay. Um, that's and that's Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask him, what kind of residual are you seeing uh, on the import water? Uh, point, uh, 2.0. 2.0. Yeah, so that's what Metropolitan's so, putting so out. quite a bit higher. Yeah, so yeah they it's quite a bit higher. Yeah, so they try to run it usually said 2.2. I remember when I worked for uh, uh, 25 MGD conventional plant, that's what we were pushing out, about a 2.2, so that our furthest customer could see that that residual there. And that's, that's very common. And um and so, so do you start, what, what do you start to see on the residual side? Once those, those waters blend together, what, what usually happens to that residual? Um, when we see that blended, depending on, um, you know, how much water we're taking in, uh, we will start to see in our reservoirs, particularly we have a couple of reservoirs in our, uh, in our city that are, are impacted by the um, chloraminated water. And we will see a fluctuation in residual um, quite a bit. Uh, it will it'll drastically drop probably sometimes within a couple of days or sometimes it'll hold out for uh, for about a week, maybe two weeks, uh, depending on um, the percentage of uh, chloraminated water in the reservoir and also varying on the time of year. Um, you know, the hotter months, it's going to be dropping down quite a bit. Right. But yeah, uh, that's kind of how we track it. Uh, we do, um, we have CL17s that are um, provided by Hawk and we have those onto our SCADA system and we have, uh, you know, we have um, on our SCADA system, we have the maps where we tra- we trend our, our data and we track our chlorine residual and uh, in between supervisor, primary on call and the operator that's responsible for said reservoir on that side of the city, they'll be um, responsible for maintaining and reporting and um, acting on any anomalies that may come up as far as residual. So we're, we're fast acting on trying to address the issue and we've been pretty good on um, targeting the reservoirs that are, are going to be the problematic ones. Yeah. And what, what do you, what do you think, uh, what do you call them the problem ones? Like what, what, are, what are they lacking in, in those particular scenarios that, you know, you don't have issues where, you know, you would, could potentially have uh, issues. Well, one reservoir is solely um, system water that fills and fills it. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, a lot of our other reservoirs are fed by our um, groundwater wells. So we don't have any issues there because we're not um, bringing import water into the reservoir. All we're doing is pumping water out of it. So we can control what type of uh, what type of um, chlorine we have in there, whether it most likely will be free. I mean, very rarely we do we bring in um, chloraminated water. Um, the only time we do bring it in is if we have a high pressure situation or for some reason why um, an event comes up where our high pressure relief valve opens up to um, bypasses a high pressure water for, let's say, a hammer, a water hammer. It'll it'll fill the reservoir. 
But in those events, we do know when it comes in because we can't trend and track it you know, through our right, alarm so, system or SCADA. So basically what you're saying is like when the import water has more time to mix with your uh, your free residual supply, is that more common when you have nitrification issues there? Yeah. I mean, anytime that um, anytime that water sits together, mix it sits together, sits together, mixes in that reservoir, and is when we'll start to see the issues of nitrification. And like I said, it, it'll respond. It'll we'll see the response in our, our in our trends on our uh, skater graphs, right. and um, we're we're pretty fast acting on it. But that's when we'll know. Uh, we have alarms that will start to um, alarm us and let us know when the residual is dropping below its desired point. And at that point, um, either we will um, re- get rid of the water as far as pumping it out to the system mm-hmm. or addressing it um, as far as how to we blend it inside the reservoir to bring the residual back up to meet our standards for putting it back in the system. Uh, we don't try to put anything you know, below a certain um, parts per million out into the system. We want to have some type of residual. So when we pump it out, if it does enter the system, you know, given in our problematic areas where we may have some low residuals in our system, that it's, you know, not completely zero and could cause further issues. Right. That's good stuff, man. Sounds like you guys have a really proactive team and uh, a lot of, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, just kind of checkpoints to make sure that the system's running the way it's supposed to be running. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of trial and error, but I, I think as a, our department, we've kind of uh, nailed it down to as far as how we can address it. Uh, I think at the end of the day, um, each operator and senior operators have their ideal way of uh, taking care of the problem. But as management and supervising staff, um, they have you know full confidence in us to address the problem. And I think at any point that they feel that they need to step in and, and provide assistance, they'll do so. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is making sure we're putting out water that's safe for the community to use however they choose to do so. Uh, yeah. But like I said, we're, I mean, we can always do better and we're always aiming to do better. Yeah. So we're currently looking like at technologies to help aid and uh, just not completely get rid of the problem, but to help us fix the problem. So it doesn't demand uh, as much as attention as our staff is putting into it and maybe make it more of a, a monitoring type of system to where we can just keep an eye on it and have a better tracking for our, our data to yeah. use. So there's a couple of systems out there we're looking at and um, they seem pretty promising, but uh, it's, it's, it takes a process to get in there and some type of work to, to make that system work. So yeah, as a department, we're trying to uh, prepare for that. And uh, our, our, our management staff is, uh, is well aware of the issue and uh, they got the best interest interest in uh, making sure that problem uh, either goes away or gets addressed. And yeah, you know, we're taking steps and strives to, to help the situation. Yeah, that, that's great, and I think, I think you, I think you said it too. Is, um, is just you know, it takes time, right? It takes some exploring, some you know, some uh, some research, try to figure out what's working, what doesn't work, right? Uh, you know, a little bit of trial and error, and then uh, I think one thing that uh, I know Santa Ana is really good at is uh, sending you guys to, like training and stuff like that. Um, we've talked about it in the classes that I've hosted there, City of Santa Ana. Um, but, but also like, I know they've sent you to like metropolitan water district where you guys get your source water and you can ask operators questions about, you know, what kind of, you know, issues they got going on. So building that relationship with the, uh, you know, the, um, the agency that you're importing water from is, is uh, super important. And I know there's a lot of agencies that just deliver water, right? It's not even, they don't even have their own source water. They're, they're importing a hundred percent. And, uh, and so I think that just building that relationship from operator to operator, um, amongst agencies 
is a uh, super important that way it's like, Hey, you know, um, you know, if you know, you know, I know you working at another, the next agency down the road for me, you know, whatever I'm doing is going to affect you. And, uh, being that I know you personally, I could, I could call you up and say, Hey man, this is coming up. Uh, or, Hey, we had this issue at the plant. Um, you might see something on the tail end of, you know, tomorrow's water or something like that. I think it'd make a big difference. So, um, so knowing your water, your source water, um, you know, practicing, seeing what works, what doesn't work. And, uh, you know, obviously putting all these different, uh, checkpoints in to, uh, um, get a better ha- handle on what's going on with your, uh, your water quality. It's all going to make a huge difference. Yeah. And then uh, like, to your management staff has got to be supportive of everything as well. Yeah. I think it's very important that you understand water quality and where you get your water from as far as being an operator, but not only that, just being a public servant. Uh, I think you, I think the public wants to be uh, confident knowing that you understand, you know, what water you're providing to them. And when they ask a question like, well, where's my water come from? And you're like, well, it comes from here. And you point to the tap or you point to the hose bib or whatever. And they're like, no, like, where's my water really come from? Um, I think it's very important that you get, I think as far as, you know, future operators or people wanting to get in the industry or people in the industry is to, uh, you know, further go and understand um, the dynamics of uh, where we get our water from in various avenues and where it comes from and the process it takes to get from point A all the way to point Z and you being point Z because, you know, it doesn't, sometimes it starts with you, but and sometimes you may be at the end of the line as far as, uh, you know, where that water came from. And it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of history. It's a lot of knowledge, but, uh, yeah, you know, Metropolitan is very good at having an open door policy of any, um, agencies that they do support. Um, they really always, always keep their door open. I mean, I don't know how it is with the pandemic now, but before you're able to uh, request a tour and they would bring you there and show you how they do it and how the treatment process is, how they disinfect it, how they chlorinate it. I know, uh, and I don't, I mean, they probably can correct me, but I know Metropolitan's, you know, moving further towards ozone for disinfection just because it's a lot easier for them. But I know some, maybe some places are doing different types of a disinfection at their plants. But, you know, being an operator, understand, you know, if you do get it from Metropolitan or other agencies, like given Metropolitan, they do have various treatment plants and understand where you're at in that line and where you're getting your water from. Sometimes the closest Metropolitan plant may not be where you're getting it from. Right. In Santa Ana, we get a, we have uh, two pipelines where we get our water from and, and uh, they come from two different treatment plants. So, you know, you may think that you're getting it from one planet, but in actuality, it might be another plant. So it, it, it's worth looking into and it's, it's a quite interesting. It's something that interests me a lot. And, and uh, water quality is a, a whole field on its own. And it's, uh, I never thought it'd be as deep as it gets, but it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty deep, but it's yeah, worth exactly. knowing. It's a, it's a good piece of mind. No, it is. And then, and it, and it makes you better, right? It makes you better as an operator, the more you put into it. And then, uh, you know, the, I always tell everybody the, the more value you, you create within yourself, then, you know, obviously the, the agency is going to take care of you. And, and if they don't, then, you know, other opportunities can, will come about. Um, but if you stop giving, you know, stop those opportunities, uh, stop taking those opportunities to learn, then or saying, Hey, that's not my job or ah, I don't care. Uh, yeah. you're, you're shortchanging yourself an opportunity to, to just grow. Exactly. But, uh, uh, you know, being a, like I said, going back to being a public servant, I think it's worth, I think it's investing in your due diligence is to, you know, understand how you provide water to your residents or, you know, the community that you serve. Um, I, I, I don't want to be left without an answer for a community or resident they come up. I, I've served in a lot of uh, community outreach um, events and I, I do my part to make sure that I do provide the right information. And if I don't have the information, you know, I, I do make sure that I can get them in contact 
if somebody's at the event for them to get the information they seek or to uh um to help develop a relationship to whether they feel that they want to come back and further um you know ask more questions that they do have the opportunity to do so and i think santa ana is doing that as far as a um, public outreach i know our our manager um, was very 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 um very proactive on doing that. And I think he, he made it a point to uh, express that to lower staff, including myself to be part of the community and be informed and do, do your part to, uh, to invest in yourself and invest in, in your position, your career and take it serious because this is a, at the end of the day, a very important job. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think that's a good, a good little segue into, uh, you know, switching gears from the technical side to more, uh, you know, um, about advancing, in in our uh, in our careers uh i just got off the phone a little while ago with uh one of the guys on uh, on instagram was asking me a question about uh he said that he he had a dilemma right he had a dilemma and his dilemma was that he just got a job offer from a city mm-hmm. and uh and he had applied for another gig uh with an agency he really really wanted to work uh work at and uh he'd kind of been on his radar for a while and uh, they called him up for an exam for the recruitment process. You know, it's probably like some kind of practical exam or something like that. Yeah. And he wasn't sure if he should take the exam, being that he had already got an acceptance letter, acceptance letter, and you know, job offer bas- basically to the uh, to the the first gig. And so I said, "Well, give me a call." You know, and we talked about it, and I said, "Hey, uh, you know, you you got the you got the one job. Take it, right?" Yeah. But at the end of the day you don't you don't um take yourself out of the running of an opportunity that, that could be potentially bigger than the one you have right now and so if you didn't go to the ex- if you don't go to the exam then you'll never know what would have happened and if the other agency doesn't work out or if you're halfway through your probation just unhappy because of the atmosphere or the environment that that they have there um you're always going to regret not going to that exam so uh for him to go through the recruitment process and uh you know just to see what they're all about and then he can make that decision if he does even get the job offer from the second one. Because, you know, you, you, a lot of guys, they see these jobs they post, they post up and uh, they're like, ah, I don't know if I should go after that one. It's just like, well, you can't make that decision right now because you don't even have the job. You know, like you got to apply yeah. and go through the recruitment process first. And, you know, what are your thoughts on on something like that? You know, like a lot of guys, they, they feel bad, you know, leaving an agency, you know, whether they've been there. 12, 15 years or, you know, they're on probation and they see another opportunity post up. And you're a guy that, you know, I know you love Santa Ana, you bleed Santa Ana, right? Um, <laughs> but, you know, but there's opportunities that are out there. And, you know, what do you do when, when you know, you have a good gig? Like, what is it? What do you think it comes down to? Um, like, what helps make that decision, you know, for, for some of these candidates? Or what, what would yeah. be the, like, deal breaker to to, you know, not go forward with a, you know, another opportunity or to stay where you're at. What do you think it really comes down to? I mean, I look at it out of various ways and, um, I take it there's perspective. I, um, you owe it to yourself and to your family priority. I mean, that's what at the end of the day you go to work for. And at the end of the day, that's what you put those hours in for. And, and that's what your drive is. And for some people, their drive may be different, but, you know, always invest in yourself and if you do have a, a, a good supportive uh, agency work for a district, um, they're going to always want to be have, have your best interest. And, and sometimes they may understand that uh, you may not be able to progress to the um, heights that you may be capable of at that specific agency. 
And if it's a supportive agency and they respect you and they want to see you grow as an individual and as a professional in the, in the career, they'll be fine with you. I think leaving if, if you do it on good terms, mm-hmm. but, um, if, if you value your position at the agency you're at and you look at it, um, from this is somewhere I want to be, this is somewhere where I want to, um, make my stake. And this is somewhere that I want to see myself retire, uh, you do your part as far as understanding what career path you choose to do that, that district or agency. Um, it may not be, you want to be equipment operator for the rest of your life. It may not be, you want to be a maintenance worker for the rest of your life because you know, those jobs are, are well rewarding. You need to look at it in, um, in hindsight and understand that those are just positions to other positions that lead to other positions. You know, you, you, you have to see yourself being somewhere and, and choose where you want to, where you want to end your career at and whether it may be with the agency you're currently serve or maybe with agency you may serve in the future, you not know, but, uh, you know, I, I think if you have an agency that works with you and, and respects you and, and as a professional, as a, as a person, and if they understand that, you know, what they can provide you right now is not what you're capable of. I think that they'll be fine with that because who's to say you never come back in the future, 10 years from now with, a, with a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience that they could value, that they could use to their advantage. Um, and that's always called, you know, leaving on good terms, you just don't, you know, get up and leave out of nowhere and disappear. Um, you, you know, you do professionally. Um, I haven't been in the position to walk away, but I, you know, it, it shouldn't change. You should, you should leave always on good terms. You know, I left past employments on good terms with a handshake and say, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, I respected everything that I was here. I thank you for the respect you gave me. I gave it back and, and thank you for uh, providing for me, giving me the opportunity to provide for my family. Um, yeah. But, uh, how, how long, let me ask you this. How, how many years have you been there at your current agency? I'm with Santa Ana, probably like seven and three quarters of a, of years of my career. Almost eight, almost eight years. And yeah, how many, like how many eight, different, yeah. how many different positions have you held there? Oh man. Uh, f- from part-time to where I'm at now, then position changes, I want to say maybe six. Six different position changes. So six different titles you've held. Yeah. And like, so you went from like part-time to like full-time Work part one, yeah. two, and whatever. Yeah. Right? I went from so, part time um, senior maintenance worker to maintenance worker to senior maintenance worker to equipment operator uh, to water systems operator one, then systems operator two, now systems operator three. You know, I'm, I may be five or six positions where I've uh, might be short, but you know, yeah, it's quite a bit. But uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and you, you know, to, to me, that's that's a that's really similar to how my first eight years were, um, in the, in the industry. And, um, and that, that, that to me is just, it's a testament to hard work, right? You're probably working on your certs left and right. You probably got a, a stack of certs. Um, and you know, you're, you're probably working outside of your, uh, your, uh, what do you, your current position. Working at uh, class, yeah. You, yeah. You were always working out of class and that's what helps justify, that bump up. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think like, Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm doing what my job is or, Hey, that's not my job description or whatever. Like don't shoot yourself in the foot, like always work to the level that's above where you're at. Because if you do, then you can always say, Hey, look, you know what? I've worked out of class for the last six months or, Hey, I've been working out of class for the last year. Don't say nothing, right? Don't ask for money. A lot of people want the carrot first before they actually put in the effort and, and really just, you know, just keeping your mouth quiet and putting your nose to the grindstone. 
um, it really pays off in the end. And, and I'm sure that's, you know, what it has to do. And a lot of people are like, ah, he's a, he's a fucking kiss ass or he's a whatever. He's a golden boy. You know, when they see people move up like that. And I know because that's what I used to get. Ah, he's the golden boy, you know, oh, he's, he's a, you know, whatever. And to me, I would just laugh because I was the only one taking classes. I was the only one getting my certs. I was the only one staying late, washing the truck or, you know, just doing extra um, while everybody else was gone. And, uh, and, you know, people see that stuff, you know, managers see that stuff, supervisors see that stuff. And, uh, you know, coworkers see that stuff too. Unfortunately, not all coworkers are willing to have that same level of commitment. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, I look at this perspective work as if somebody's always watching you and if you're always judging yourself, I think I mentioned it before, but and that's how I always uh, conduct my work. You know, I, I'm the biggest critic of myself and you should be because uh, you've got to hold your standards for yourself and don't go work to anybody else's standards because you set the bar. And at the end of the day, you, you got to go home with uh, the work that you performed. And if mm-hmm. you maybe didn't perform the standard, you, you got to live with that. You got to go to sleep with that and you got to wake up the next morning and figure out how you're going to do better. Um, you always got, I'm always setting a standard for myself and it's sometimes maybe too high to, uh, to accomplish, but, uh, it's always something to work for. I think if you achieve that goal, you push the bar a little farther forward and sometimes it may be uncomfortable. Sometimes you may not hit it and, or sometimes you may not hit it at the, at the time you think you deserve it. And you may feel a hundred percent that you were the deserving person, but somebody else had a different, a different idea and it may not have been you, but, um, respect that decision. And then look at it in this way is like, you know, if you fight, you kick and you scream and you get the position at the end of the day, do you think you really feel comfortable being there? Because everybody else knows that you may be not. And that's, yeah. that's further down the road. But, uh, but yeah, it's like you, uh, you gotta, you gotta put it, put in your time. And, and sometimes some people will feel it may be too slow or it may not be, um, it may not, it may not be deserved for, you know, that person or whoever may step up ahead of you, but you know, somebody's always watching. And if they're not watching, you may not think they're not watching, but they are, and they're keeping right. an eye tab on you. And if uh, uh, if it's somebody that they, I mean, if you're a person at that agency they take serious, they're going to keep an eye on you, and they're going to watch you progress. And maybe a couple of times they'll talk to you and and pick your brain and and see how you're uh, growing as an individual. And maybe the seeds that they planted a long time ago are starting to grow, and you're becoming this employee that they they wanted to see. Right. But, you know, maybe they're not saying it much to to uh to kind of boost your confidence and say, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, this is this is working. Right. Um, and maybe and, do it for a different reason. You know, they may want to see how you react. They may want to see how you react to maybe a door being closed in your face. They may want to see how you react to maybe somebody not giving you, you what's worth because at the end of the day, people want to see how you um, bounce back from failure or how you bounce back from denial because that's when you see a person's, I, I hate to say, but that's when you see a person's true, like, uh, you know, Yep. Are they going to hang their head? They're going to kick and scream. Are they going to throw? Are they going to, you know, not say throw a fit, but you know, they're going to speak their mind and, and let it be known? Or are they going to say, "Hey, whatever, I'm going to keep plugging away and do what I got to do. I'll, I'll, find, I'll find my spot somewhere else." You know, it's it's always a test. I hate to say it, but sometimes you're like, "Jesus, I'm being pushed or test every time," and and I feel the same way too. It's like, you know, why is there always a test? Like, why am I always being put under the spotlight? Or why, like, what's you know, what's the end goal? You know, what, what, right. what's the plan here? You know, and it's, 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 it's never, um, it's never really been, it's never really brought to light till the time you do, you know, you do get the opportunity. Right. And, you know, um, it's funny because, um, so I'm, I'm not going to announce the agency that I'm, I'm currently in a recruitment process with right now, but I, I'm, I'm going to be leaving, uh, regardless if I get the position or not, I'm leaving 
city of Watsonville. I said it, right? You know, I said it. So <laughs> leaving the city of Watsonville, uh, been there 12 years. Uh, I'm 20 years into my career now. I'm 40 years old. And uh, with the classes and the relationships I've created, different agencies, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm in a really cool position right now where um, I can take a cut and pay with my full-time position and do other classes or, uh, you know, if the agency is willing to allow me to do classes or uh, just see what I really like. You know, I've worked in pretty much every field position you can, you can have from pulling wells to treatment plant operator or, you know, managing yeah. production, managing distribution, construction projects, stuff like that. And um, I really think that uh, – everyone has to explore a little bit more, you know, like people getting stuck in these positions as like, I don't know, a, a meter reader or, you know, distribution. And they're, they're there for like 20 years, you know, between like right. one, a worker one and maybe a worker three position or something like that, you know, for like 20 solid years. Yeah, and, you know, yeah exactly. Tons, really of, tons of respect, right. You yeah. know, tons of respect to be able to do that work for that many years. But at the same time, like I, I honestly feel like you, you've, you've never reached your true potential. Like, like you cannot call yourself successful if you've never reached your true potential. You know what I mean? Like if you've never put, just put it all out there and just, you know, just worked, then how do you know what your best is? Right. Yeah. And I think, so, yeah, I think the moments you feel most vulnerable are the moments you, you don't feel most comfortable. And those are the potential, uh, potentials you're able to reach. Right. That's where you grow the most, right? Yeah. But you're putting in those positions because people above you think that you can handle it, whether you're not ready to be, you don't think you're capable of it. You just need to push. And sometimes the push feels like I'm going to look like an idiot or I'm going to look look like ass in front of everybody because I may not know what I'm doing. And on all reality, you do know what you're doing and you are more than capable of being that that individual. And then the reality to that is like, Dude, everybody, whether, whether it be a supervisor, manager, your foreman, your lead, whoever's above you was in that same damn position, you know, scared, scared to death. You know, they talked a big game, but really didn't know what they were doing. And they all had a first day, right? We've all had a first day. So it's like, you know, if, if there's people that are above us that have been really successful in their, in their positions um, and really, you know, came from where you came from, or just, you know, worked your way from the bottom up, then who's to say you can't do it either, you know? Right. And, I, I think those, no, I'm probably I'm going to speak on this, but, uh, yeah, I think those birthdays are humbling because, yeah. uh, you're going to make a mistake yeah, and you're going to mess up. That's part of learning. <laughs> yeah. That's part of, that's part of growing because you, and, it, and if you don't, up, what, right? yeah, exactly. And if you don't, then you're not doing anything. Right. right. That doesn't, and, no, yeah. That's not, no, that's not the, uh, the green light for everybody to go just mess stuff up tomorrow. Right. But that's yeah. the, it, it's just, it's the truth though. If you, if you don't break anything, if you don't do anything wrong, it's because you weren't, you know, getting out of your comfort zone or you weren't trying new things uh, or you were just never putting yourself in a position to, you know, take a fall. Yeah, exactly. And, but you know, you will stumble, you will fall, you will get back up, you will have dirt in your face, but those are the times that uh, you will learn and you'll grow and you'll learn to see how people react, you know, at you. And was it positive? Was it negative? Was it like, ah, see, this guy couldn't do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, those are the things you take into consideration and, and feel like, Hey, did I, did I like that response that did this help me grow? And yes, yeah. 
then you you take that in. But if not, you figure out how, how am I going to help the next guy that comes in that's new, that's green, that is not quite, you know, up to par with everybody else. Am I going to treat him the same way? Am I am I going to am I going to give him the same response? Because I just got that. How did I feel? Maybe I have a stronger uh, have a stronger personality to handle it. Maybe this next guy doesn't. Maybe this next guy comes from a different background that he doesn't know how to respond to that. And maybe he's you know a great employee, but you know you got people who just want to sit there and make an example of somebody. Yeah. Sometimes that not be worth it. But and and you know what? And, and really, it's a lot of guys um, as macho as a lot of guys are in our industry or just in general in life. A lot of guys in our industry, and I've seen it firsthand. They talk this huge game, right? Talk all this head about how bad they are, or or, or they're the first ones to talk shit about someone else that that has a failure or a setback, or or at least is trying and gets it wrong. Uh, those guys are the most insecure guys out there. And you know, I, I come from a generation. I, I know you probably got it too, or you get some of it too, just from the leftover residual. But you know, when I started, the generation was tough before, right? They weren't yeah. big on, they weren't big on certs. They were, they were the guys that, you know, stayed in their positions for a long time, you know, were equipment operators their whole life, right? Um, and they're just tough, fucking mean and tough. And, um, and it was hard to work with those guys, you know? Um, and, you know, God bless all of them, you know, cause they made me who I am, uh, today. And, uh, and, but it was, it was tough, you know? And, uh, and so yeah. now, you know, you have some guys that are still like that in the industry that just they hold people down or they don't share information or they're not encouraging. They just talk crap. And uh, that that really is like you have to take a hard look at yourself and say, like, am I learning anything? Am I growing here at this organization? Is this really for me? Is my family benefiting from me being here? And if you can ask yourself those questions and say, you know what? I am like, I'm benefiting, you know, my family's all good. Kids all got new clothes on or they're all getting a good, you know, education or whatever your priorities are. Everyone's benefiting from me being at this position. Like this is for me, right? It, it might be tough, but everyone's benefiting. And yeah. if they're not right, if they're not, if everyone's struggling and uh, we can't even get the blow up pool for the backyard, right. Or the kids aren't, you know, wearing two shoes that match. Like, you know, something needs to something something needs to change if you're struggling at work. You know, yeah. And, and a lot of guys they they get into this position where they don't they they're just insecure or they're just too macho to like you know try some new shit, man. They could really benefit them and them and their family just yeah. because of you know what they're they're fearing ridicule from from other guys. Like that's that's just that's that's actually being selfish. What it is, yeah. And um, I. I was a probably residual of the the last hard SOBs of operators from coming from private. I mean, these, <laughs> these were um, owner operators that, that knew a lot, and they were senior senior people that owned their own company and ran equipment in this private before water. But you know, they would be some hard SOBs, and <laughs> they would tell you how it is. And sometimes, if you didn't like it, you had no choice but to deal with it. And if you didn't like it, then go home. But uh, I. That was back then. I think things have changed now, and there's a different type of there's a different type of employee that's coming into the field now, and um, you have to understand that, and you have to be able to work with that. And it may not be your ideal candidate. It may not be your ideal type of hey, this guy's gonna yeah, bust ass, get it done, let's go. And you can't 
sometimes you could talk to certain people like that and it's probably a feeling out stage, but you have to, you know, fill these people out and understand and be able to be a senior person that's at that agency district to be able to nurture this new person that's coming in. They may be 32, they may be 40, they may be even 50, or they may be 18 right out of high school. Right. Uh, they all have their different learning curves. And you as a senior person have to understand how to nurture that because you've been there long enough. You should have seen enough people already to know how you're going to address that. And yeah, right. sometimes it's, it's needed to be hard, but to point to where you're beating somebody down to where they're just feel like they're belittled. I don't think it's very beneficial for you growing into uh, a senior person or being that face of the department Yeah. To, to actually helping this person. Because for all you know, this person may have been a great employee and they may strive somewhere else, but they just didn't work where you guys are at. But you need to take a look at yourself and say, well, this didn't work. Well, let's hold myself accountable. What I mean, not I do? you, but yeah. it just, you have to learn how to work with other people. And it's a learning struggle for me, but yeah. it's a struggle and that I'm trying to, you know, not perfect because you can't perfect it, but you should be able to. It's a skill. Be, yeah, it's a skill. and should be able to be good enough to know how to address it. And right. sometimes and, you're going to make a mistake. And, you know, I've made my mistakes. And I think one thing I've been good at is apologizing. And I, and I have a lot of people there that I work humility. with. Yeah, yeah. really that you, you, you butt heads, but you got to be the bigger person and say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, man, whether I'm right or wrong, I apologize. And you know, that's all that needs to be said because that can make or break someone's week that can make or break the, the moral, the moral of the department for that week or that specific job. And exactly. it's really miserable. And you're just like going through it. And I have, and I've talked to a lot of people and it's like, be the bigger person, be the bigger person. And you have to be, and whether you're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Get together and ash it out. Whether you guys are, calling each other mother efforts for the first five minutes it's gonna <laughs> die out you know sucking each other up in the gravel yeah you can <laughs> roll around the dirt but you get back up you know you're wearing work clothes and yeah. okay. you know, i've been there shower. dude i'm not gonna yeah. lie man I've, I've been in that you know rolling around the uh in the uh the freaking on the ground dude throwing but blows yeah. man that, but yeah know, but, but I, I think <laughs> yeah but i think the, i think the biggest thing and i and i sit back and i catch myself sometimes and it's like this is someone's father this is someone's son, someone's daughter, or even someone's grandfather, or even someone's grandchild. And, you know, do you think that they, that's respectful for you to treat people that way? You know, you can have your indifferences, but you have to look at it that way. You know, you're talking to somebody's father, someone that that person looks up to. And the, you know, you want, in, at the end of the day, they just want to do their job to provide for their family and be a, be a good employee, just enough to get that check. And just right. to go home and provide for their kids. You know, this may be a job for them. For you, it's a career. But for them, they're just being at home. They want to be for, there for their family. And like I said, at the end of the day, you got to look at it at that perspective. Even when you're pissed off and you're, you're most frustrated times, it's like, you know, this is someone's father. This is someone's right. mother. This is someone's, you know, grandfather. And, you know, that that's someone that they look up to. And you can't be treating that person that way. Because how would you feel? You would feel like complete crap if they were to walk in and you're just, you know, talking or mouthing off to them like that, it's, you know, it's not respectful. I know we all have our moments. And like I said, I, I probably have mine, but you know, I've been working on it to be able to take a step back and say, Hey, I'm sorry, man, but just yeah. have respect for each other. It, because it's, tough. Day, it's tough because we, you know, I know you were like me and we just weren't taught to be that way. Right. We weren't taught to, you know, uh, be more respectful to, you know, the people next to you or, you know, when, when, especially, I know you're strong, you get a strong opinion, you know, you know, what's right. You're doing your best. You're, you're a professional. I'm the same way. 
and not everybody comes to work with that same mentality. You know, some people come to work just to like, you know, Hey, what, what am I going to get out of the day? You know, versus yeah. how, how am I going to provide service to, you know, to others? And that's really what it comes down to. But, you know, the work is always easy, right? You know, physically not so much, but the work at the end of the day, it's, it's easy, but it's the getting along with, with people. Or if you're in management, it's just like, you know, managing, you know, all these different personalities and, and making sure that, that morale is good and everyone's productive. Everyone's in the positions that, you know, they, they are the most productive in. And, uh, you know, that, that is definitely, it doesn't have to come from the manager or the lead. Like that can come from, you know, the person that's, uh, you know, just starting out. Can we all have, we all have a part in this, you know, in morale, or we all have a part in, you know, the environment that we create, whether it be bringing shit home, you know, shit to work from, you know, from home, you know, fighting with your, you know, the girlfriend or the wife or whatever you got going on, you know, and you bring that to work the next day or you party too hard the weekend on the weekend. And then Monday is just, you know, just dragging ass. So it's like, you know, that's, uh, you know, you bring that stuff to work and it's just like, you know, everyone sees it or everyone feels it in some way or another. So it's like, you know, it's not just, it's not just management. Everyone's, everybody wants to point to management. Uh, but you know, at the same time, like, uh, you know, not, not all managers are, are going to put their foot down or, uh, you know, or just, or be proactive, you know, and, in, in all that morale stuff or team building stuff, and just well, you know, yeah. people accountable in general. I think, I think you need to under, uh, when you get hired in places like this, some people that come new to it need to understand the hierarchy. Um, you know, sometimes everyone wants to hold a manager accountable. Sometimes people want to hold a superintendent or, you know, whatever those higher positions are that, you know, you're not doing that. You're not, and you got to understand the hierarchy, you know, the management sets the tone for the department, but you know, their response, they're, they're looking, leaning on the staff below them to help trickle it down. So it, it needs to go down various positions or various staff members for that to settle in. You know, the manager's not going to come into your office that day and say, Hey, we're doing this. We're doing that. That's not the manager's job. You know, the manager's got a lot of other things on their plate that they're taking care of. And sometimes people don't see that. And, and, you know, um, you know, maybe you guys should take a look into it. Whoever you, if you guys work for currently understand, you know, the management role and the hierarchy of positions. And, you know, sometimes people always want to blame the very top person. And, you know, most times it's not that person, you know, most times that person is doing a lot more things and they're relying on staff below them to help make things happen. But, I mean, it can happen with anybody. It can happen with a maintenance worker. You know, be the catalyst to help um, start something positive in your department. You don't. You don't got to be the person that's in charge. You don't got to be the person that everybody looks up to. You know, just have that positive mentality or be that catalyst to be somebody that wants to work. They want to work outside you, or or want to sit next to you and learn for something from you, or just want to pick your brain on certain things. You know, let me let me ask catalyst. you this. Let me ask you this. Have Have you ever been in a situation where you felt uh, um, either picked on or or uh, so you guys just giving you a hard time. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I, and yeah, give me, I mean, give me okay. So, like, give me a, a situation and like what what happened and how did you deal with it to make it right, or did you not make it right? You know, there's a few instances, and one of them comes back to me as being a part timer and and one of the um, senior staff members that was overseeing the job that day um, was really making it a point to make things clear as far as who was in charge of the job and who was making the calls and, and when you can do things and when you can't do things, uh, that type of, that type of leadership, it, it's there and you have to work with that. But, you know, sometimes it feels like you're being bird dogged, got someone over your back, got someone telling you what to do, how to turn a ranch or how to dig, how to dig a certain way by using that shovel, use this shovel. That's, that's dumb. Do this, yeah. do that, stop yeah. work. 
take a break, stop taking a break. Well, you know, I got to the point where I kind of got fed up with it. And, and being as a entry level in position, I, I go to the point where it's my breaking point is to the point where I call it as like the FE point, like I'm done. I've, I've got to my limit and I'm there, you know, I've all day I've, I've been pushed there and I've been decelerating and accelerating my, my personality and my mentality. And finally it's, it was just it, you know, I, I threw whatever I had down on my hand and I said, and I yelled at the top of my lungs and I said, you know, I said, what, like, what do you want? What are you going to do? You know? And that right there just was the field to light the fire. And at that point it just blew up and, you know, everything came to a halt. Everybody stopped. It's kind of like what, what is what's going to happen yeah um you know thankfully we took off the side and we we handled our differences and we talked to it amongst each other and it, it didn't get to any extreme uh, measures but uh you know maybe i was out of line maybe i should have you know stayed quiet and talked about it to my supervisor but it it, it all came down to a conversation with the supervisor and how how the problem was progressed but i was being 100% forthcoming in how i uh, how i address the situation and i think you should always be 100% truthful in what you what you say you're better after that yeah, you, you know, you're better off being um, truthful than lying and get caught in a lie because that just, just, you know, ruins your integrity as an employee or as a professional. Absolutely. So, you know, just be, and I was 100% forthcoming and that, and I was respected for that because, uh, you know, maybe um, being in my position, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just listened and, you know, nodded my head and said yes. But uh, I, I think I just hit my point where I just needed to speak out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings and, you know, you need to treat people as a human being and not treat them as something else. And some people have that, that limit. And, you know, I hit that limit and you need to stand up for yourself sometimes. Maybe you do it different ways, but, uh, you know, you always got to, you know, stand your ground to a certain extent. And I think sometimes it does come out at the wrong times, but other times, you know, you're able to talk about it off to the side and, uh, address it professionally. But I was in a, yeah, no, it was, uh, I was in a similar situation when I was, I was probably one year in, or my, I might've even been on probation at the time. And so I was a, a utility worker one and uh, we were heading in from a, a job site from a pump house or something. And I was in the, ser- I was driving the service truck and we had, you know, back then we had the radios, right? We used the radios in the truck, right? The, yeah, the CB radios. radios. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have cell phones we, or we did there for the flip phones and no one called us or we had to keep them in the lunchbox, you know, yeah. throughout the whole day. And so, uh, so we get, I get back to the yard and, um, and I see my two, the you know, utility worker two, and he's just yelling. He's got his hand, you know, around his mouth and he's just yelling at the top of his lungs. And, you know, as I'm getting closer and everyone's like, that's walking through the yard. Cause it's the end of the day. They're walking through the yard and they're like kind of stopped and they're like looking at him and they're looking at me driving in. And I'm like, what is he doing? You know, he's, he looks pissed. Right. Yeah. And my, my, uh, my partner, he's, he's sitting next to me and he's just like, I don't know, you know? And, uh, and so we get up closer and he's just like, turn your fucking radio on i should have put uh explicit lyrics on this podcast <laughs> yeah <right at> beginning <laughs> and so he's yelling turn your fucking radio on and then i looked at the radio and i said the radio's on oh but the volume was down on the the cb radio right yeah and he's just like when i fucking call you on the fucking radio you better have your fucking radio on and this is in front of like it's at least 20 people now you know that that were in the yard and, uh, and I was just like, I felt so humiliated, you know, so like, I felt like crap, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm a kid. Right. And he's, you know, late thirties or so, um, you know, good 
18 years older than me. And so, you know, he's, he's my senior and, uh, you know, I just felt, I felt like crap, you know? And so, yeah. uh, I was pissed. I was pissed that he did that. He embarrassed me in front of the whole yard, you know? And, uh, at the end of the day, everyone's going out to the employee parking lot. And uh, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm going to say something. Cause I had to say something. I just didn't want to do it in front of everybody else. Yeah. And I went, up to, I went up to his truck. He was in his truck and I knocked on his window and, uh, and I kind of like signaled for him to like roll his window down and he rolled his window down. I was just like, Hey, don't you ever fucking do that to me again in front of everybody else. I was just like, I have no problem you know, owning up to what I did wrong, but you don't need to talk to me like that. I was just like, I don't let my dad talk to me like that. I said, I sure as hell not going to let anybody else talk to me like that. And I was just like, so, you know, are we good? And he was just like, whatever. I'll never forget it. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he burned, yeah. he burned rubber out of the employee parking lot, dude. But asked me if he ever did that again to me. He yeah. never talked to me like that again, you know? And, and a lot of guys, um, you know, it's tough to have those conversations with their seniors, especially being on probation. But, you know, I tell you what, if, if you don't, if you don't set the tone for, you know, your space or the way you're treated, then people eat you up. And that's, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, unfortunately people will treat you the way that you allow them to treat you. Yeah. And, uh, become a doormat in a sense. Yeah. And it's tough, man. It's tough, but you got to stand up for what's right. Don't be, don't be an ass or don't, you know, don't have an ego or anything like that, but you know, know when you're right, know when you're wrong and uh, you know, be compassionate. Like, like what you're saying, and, you know, just be more open to other people's feelings and stuff like that. But at the same time, like if you, if you're not that guy, then don't let that person be that to you either. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a, and don't, and don't feel like you're, you're being on a place going to talk to, um, you know, a crew leader or somebody and say, Hey, look, I'm just going through some things and I just kind of feel like I want to be, you know, move somewhere else temporarily or, you know, take a break for here and there to separate myself. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll help you out and position you somewhere to where you're not having to um, be uh, around that environment or get your time to blow off and come back um, because it's beneficial to that whole crew is to help keeping that, that little, that little world functioning because if there's a cog in the wheel, then it throws everything off and then it just doesn't ever, things all run smooth. So yeah, I think it'd be the best interest for, for superiors to help, you know, um, take care of the issue and whether it's, you know, time out or, you know, helping people, you know, position in certain ways to where they're not interacting with each other as much as they were before. So everything's smoothed out. I think it's beneficial. It's going to come. Everybody's going to have their indifferences and, and, uh, you know, as professionals and as adults, I think everybody should be responsible to, uh, to be openly willing to confront that. You know, it never should comes be. At, it never should, comes at the right. Be. Yeah, it never comes at the right, be, right time. Yeah, it never comes <laughs> yeah. at the right time. But uh, you know, be the bigger person and, and come back and, and try to, uh, you know, try to spark something up again. Whether it just be a coffee or just be like a handshake or you know, just a you know, a, hey, how's it going? You know, I think you. I think everybody has their way of uh, of breaking the ice again and and and, right. and making things better. Um, I, I've. <laughs> I got my ways and, and sometimes they work and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we're all different people and if we're all the same, it would be very odd, but, uh, you know, it's a different, it's, it's, it's all different personalities and we all have to work, learn to work with each other to, uh, to get the job done. But, um, yep. all right, let me, let me, uh, let me switch gears on you. So we're, um, we're about 50 minutes in now. And so we'll start to wrap it up a little bit, but, uh, I do want to ask you, so, so we're in the middle of COVID, right? And uh, I saw a meme earlier that made me made me laugh that uh, that the uh, that this COVID is lasting as long as a, a Honda Civic. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it seems forever, right? Yeah, I don't want right. to die. <laughs> yeah. 
and so uh so you know the state has uh and this is across the you know the united states you know our all our tests are being canceled and and pushed back and stuff and I think we're all very hopeful that, uh, you know, this September, our distribution exam here in California was going to go through on September 19th, and that got canceled. Treatment exam got canceled, and I believe wastewater uh, uh, exam got canceled as well. And so, uh, you know, like, uh, so CWEA uh, is an an association that holds on, uh, you know, uh, exams for collections and uh, mechanical technologists, laboratory analyst, analyst uh, exams, and they're all computer based, which is great, you know. And so the state is is saying that they're going to go to computer based testing come, you know, this March twenty twenty one. What are your thoughts on uh, on going computer based test uh, testing? Uh, I'm hope I'm not speaking out of hand, but I just think that the <laughs> industry for testing is way behind with the times. I know CWA has been a lot ahead, of, a little further ahead of the curve as far as doing uh, remote testing is more available and more frequent at various locations than, um, you know, your distribution and treatment, which is only like two times a year at specific locations. And you're housing, you know, a large amount of people one day uh, where, whether like it's a CWA type where it's, you know, several times a year, um, different locations, uh, I like that it's online, not online, but it's computer based to where you get your results immediately, pass or fail. And you, you get your results, whereas opposed to like distribution treatment, you're waiting three months and you're waiting for a letter to come in. Um, I've been, I've been on the, I've been on the wrong side of that to where I'm applying for a job and I don't have my cert yet because I'm in that three month review. And and when I got my D4 cert, it actually was longer because the state didn't have enough people to review the test to issue the license because they're going for reviews to make sure you had enough um, contact hours to yeah, get yeah. Hurt. so i was actually waiting you know additional x amount of months since you miss out a lot of opportunities and i think this covid is going to make things a lot more um a lot virtual. more delayed yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully push them to be more virtual i think it's a yeah. benefit to everybody but uh, uh yeah it's it'll be interesting and i think you're more more in, in tune to as far as how they're progressing with the, the trainings because it impacts your your um your industry that you're creating as far as uh, distribution treatment training, yeah, how, how people are going to be preparing for the test. But uh, yeah, it's, I hope they do go online and I hope results get pushed out faster because it'll help, uh, it'll help people progress uh, and be prepared more soon. Um, I don't yeah. think it's going to have a lot of people with a lot of uh, higher certifications or an experience because at the end of the day, you still need to have the contact hours to get those level, levels of certification. It's just going to get people prepared a lot faster with what they need to be instead of waiting for, you know, September or April or March to take a test. You know, so, so like on the collections, uh, I remember when I took my collections exam, uh, it was, uh, I did it at home. I was able to do the test at home. And so they, they have you take pictures like of your surroundings behind the computer behind you to your left and right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's audio video. So it's like, you know, they, they can't, I mean, they can hear you talking. Like if you're reading the question out loud and someone giving you the answers, like you can't do any of that stuff. So that's how I took my collections exam. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to pass that and stuff. And so, um, so, yeah, so that, I mean, that's definitely an option. And shoot, if we can take our tests at home or, you know, schedule them when we're ready to it, and it's going to be, it's going to be a big game changer when it comes to distribution and treatment. Cause right now we're, we're waiting, right? Every six months we can take the test. If we fail it, it takes six weeks to get results. 
um, it's it's a little behind the times, but at the same time, we're we're talking about you know forty thousand operators in the state of California, you know, and there's there's operators in other states that have California licenses, so they can you know come over here and work too. So that's yeah, you know, it's quite a bit of operators to you know to switch over, but I definitely think it'd be a, a great a great option. Um, yeah. In regards to training, um, we're a very hands-on, you know, front and center uh, industry. And I think we learn best that way. Um, majority of us learn best that way because we're out in the field. We're not used to sitting down, uh, looking at a computer screen for hours at a time or, you know, days on end. And so, you know, I'm I'm very hopeful that uh, I just can't see all of our training going to virtual training. Um, I definitely think it's, you know, it's de- definitely definitely shows that we um, we have a lot of uh, opportunity for it now. And uh, there's a need for it now for like, you know, like you said, contact hours or just whatever kind of training. Um, we've been able to manage our systems through Zoom meetings now. Right. So, yeah, it's a big um, thing. It's a huge thing now. And so uh, I don't think that's going to go away. I think it's def- definitely going to be part of our norm. But I definitely know that that my classes will come back together and this, you know, this COVID thing will, it'll, uh, you know, eventually go away and uh, we'll be back to, back to normal or we'll just do a bunch of outdoor classes where yeah. CDC guidelines aren't so stringent. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know anybody, uh, this is California, right? So I don't know anybody that's going to be on San Bernardino County, Riverside County taking a test and it's 110. <laughs> 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 I'm going to get some hydration issues out there. But, uh, but no, yeah. I, I, I think it's a, I think that's the way that things are going. I, I've, I'm still in, in schooling and I'm still going to classes that in the college courses and um, given pre COVID, a lot of water industry classes are moving towards more online. Uh, I don't understand the reason why. And I, I have my uh, thoughts on it, but um, I think it's maybe more to help uh, reach out to a lot more people than just a local area, or maybe just a lot more easier for the instructors to be able to conduct the uh, material because they're not always available on uh on the nights that our classes are being held, but, uh, you know, they're good and bad with it. Um, I, I'm getting accustomed to it and it's not going to change. It's now you're going to be more online based, but, uh, but, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a change and it's something that you have to really, um, be more um, strict and focused on because, you know, you're having to set personal time aside to sit there in front of the computer for, you know, whether how long that course for that day, that week is to, uh, sit there and go through it as opposed to being in the class in a chair or in a different environment where you're out of your, you know, personal element to where you're sitting there specifically focused on what you're got to be there for. Right. Right. Like when you're at school, like, you know, it's, it's school time, right. When you're at home and, you know, kids are running around or you just, you know, the refrigerator's right there or whatever, like it's hard to stay focused on your, just your school or just your work. And, you know, if uh, people say that, you know, they're getting more done at at home than they were at work, it's like, well, what were you doing at work? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have a really hard time um, understanding that people can get more work done at home than than at work, you know, um, but at the same time, you don't, you know, you don't have the work drama or, you know, or if it's school, you don't have the, you know, people asking just random ask questions that, you know, have nothing to do with the topic. So maybe there, there there's definitely pros and cons um, um, to, you know, the virtual options and uh, the way we're going. But uh, I definitely think that, uh you know, the, the classes we've had in the past that are, you know, uh, or on-site training or stuff like that, I, I, that's not going to go away. It, it can't go away. Well, what, what's the WaterWise Pro going to um, adjust to this given situation to continue to provide the service that uh, 
that you're used to providing to candidates or to future operators or current operators that were getting your services before, how are you addressing or what are you preparing to make changes to to get, continue to deliver the same product and and not really be um, a lot less providing than what you were before? Yeah. And so I was, uh, you know, to be honest, I was really hopeful that this, this test in September went through and I was just like, you know, I'm going to um, just schedule out a couple classes and uh, we'll go from there. Um, I scheduled the Zoom class and, uh, you know, I ended up canceling it just because, you know, for us in these, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to say strict to the exam prep courses. I know I'm really good at that. Um, if it's just random topics about pumps and stuff like that, I'm not the expert on pumps and I'd rather not talk on those, but when it comes to exam prep stuff, like I, I really feel good about that stuff and, and, uh, I could, I could prep people all day long with it and know that they'll do really well on their exams. So that being said, with this, with the test canceled, it's like, why would I go forward with the class and have these people pay, you know, for these classes if there's no test, because, you know, you usually want to take a class like that about a month out or a couple of weeks out before the, uh, before the test, just to, you know, kind of like get, get everything together, get all your study material together. And then that way your focus is just driven towards passing that test. But you're, but you're it, taking your training as a supplement to your personal studying, right? Your class isn't going to be the sole and right. I'm going to pass it, because I took these eight hour class and this it, book it, I'm going to read a week before this test is going to be my D5 yeah, or D4. It's, right? it's the map. Yeah, it's the map to get to where you need to be. But, you know, you still got to get in the car and drive it. You know, you got to put in the work and, you know, it's that's why we say homework, right? Because, you know, our kids are learning so much at school, but, you know, they still got to come home and study and, and do all the extra work. And that's just basically how I look at what I do is, you know, we're, creating the map and, uh, you know, telling everybody where their focus needs to be at and where, you know, help them out on their, their deficiencies, but you know, also, you know, encourage and motivate them. And that's what I feel majority of the class is, is, is more of a pep talk, you know, and get everybody kind of fired up to, to, you know, focus on what they need to study and, and what to study. And, right. uh, and so because I knew for the most part, the test was more than like it going to get canceled. I reached out to the state, um, state water resource control board. I won't, I won't say who I, I spoke with, but they're very high up in the, uh, certification program. And, um, and I told them, I was just like, Hey, you know, I said, um, you know, Steve Hernandez, Waterwise pro. And they're Oh, you know, I heard about you. And I was like, Oh, hopefully it's a good, you know, recognition. Right. And no, definitely, no, definitely heard the word, heard the name and uh, the company and, and, uh, that's good. And I was like, Hey, great. You know? So, um, you know, they said, yeah, it looks like it's going to get, potentially get canceled, but it's still a go, you know, and this was again, again, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and so I said, you know, times like this are, you know, tough and where we all need to be kind of thinking outside the box and, and helping each other out. I was just like, you know, I've created a lot of positive relationships with agencies all over California. And if I can get some agencies to open their doors and have, uh, some tests facilitated at their, at their, uh, at their agencies, at their locations, um, would that be possible? And, and they told me if you get dates and locations, I'll send proctors. And I was just like, all right, cool. Game on. Right. Because if I can get classes, you know, obviously, you know, or I'm sorry, if I can get, you know, test dates and locations, I can get classes. So it's a win-win for me. Right. And then obviously everybody will be able to take their classes or, or take their tests and, and, uh, you know, everybody will win. And so, um, 
also knowing that you know CDC guidelines are, guidelines are less stringent on out, outdoor events or outdoor locations. Yeah. Uh, being that I just relocated down to Southern California, um, I reached out to a local soccer complex, and I know they had this massive outdoor tent. And I reached out to them, and and uh, they basically gave me a proposal of what it would cost or what it would take to do a, a, an event. They ran it by their city manager. They approved it, uh, being that it was going to be for essential workers. So I, this week, uh, sent my proposal – I'm sorry, last week, sent my proposal to the state uh, the day that they canceled the exam uh, officially, um, sent my proposal to the state, um, and talked it over the phone with them about – you know, what I was thinking, how many people we can get in to take the test, maybe do a morning, afternoon session, do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right. and then do like multiple weekends. And I told them that I also had a soccer complex and another um, convention, I'm sorry, um, fairgrounds uh, on hold waiting for a, a green light in Northern California. So um, so we could potentially, you know, get these going. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate that I had to kind of come up with this this option when I feel that we've had six months to figure this out, you know, um, but it might still go. We might be able to still pull off some of these, you know, tests for operators that, uh, you know, are, you know, definitely yeah. uh, needing to get these things done. And I'm sure they'll start out with some kind of a, a pecking order and those that uh, applied for the distribution exam in, in March would get priority over those that barely signed up for the September exam just because they've already gotten, it pushed twice now, um, but it, the ball's in their court, and um, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, again, I, they they sound very hopeful um, when I spoke to them about the proposal that I gave them. Um, you know, if anybody, if basically the cost for the event center, uh, I just say, hey, you know, we would just basically charge everybody for parking, and whether the, the parking was five bucks or shit fifty bucks, I think people would pay another fifty bucks for parking if they had. I'm just saying that's just worst case. Yeah. Um, to, to take their test now versus having to take the test in March, uh, you know, where they could potentially be getting, you know, getting a job between now and then, or getting a promotion between now and then, or getting just cert pay, um, would pay for that park in the first month, you know, that they got cert pay. So, well, I mean, uh, jobs are still hiring. Now, if you look at BC water jobs, government jobs, or your local listings that come in that get mailed to you, people are still hiring and people are needing oh, yeah. employees or future employees to have these certifications. And if, they can't get these potential employees that they may be needing to get because of what's going on. Um, it's going to impact the industry, but I mean, it seems like you've been presented with the problem and you're giving a solution to it and hopefully it falls through it. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure how many people that are, are going to that extreme that you're going to for, for the benefit of the whole industry, at least in California, right? Maybe that sets, yeah. sets the tone for um, other States or other agencies that are, are, um, are holding certifications to continue to do that. But I know California is pretty big and, you know, like I said, when you sit in that, sit in that test room, I know distribution is a lot more than treatment, but you're looking at yeah. 200 plus people sometimes sitting in one room. You're, yeah. You, so, yeah. So the number they gave me, yeah. So they had over 3000 operators for the March exam were scheduled to take the March exam. So over 3000. And then for the September exam was a combination of, of those operators that got put, you know, pushed to the September and an additional over a thousand operators. So there's over 4,000 operators signed up for the uh, September exam. So, um, and now it's going to be, it's going to, and, and it's going to be even more, uh, in March, right. For this computer base. So it could potentially be another, like it could be 5,000 people or 6,000 people taking the test in March. If we don't, uh, 
if the state chooses not to um, host any of the tests, you know, they're, they're doing uh, quote unquote emergency testing, right? So it's going to be up to the agency to sell what an emergency is to the state so that their operator can take a, take the test. But, you know, I think something like that, if, you know, like so that soccer complex, complex, we could do 70 people at a time and everyone have the, you know, six foot table to themselves with another six feet of separation in between uh, 70 people at a time. That's 140 people per day if you did a morning and afternoon session. And then, you know, that's uh, three days. So we're looking at, you know, what's that? Uh, almost 430, 420 people per weekend. Yeah. And uh, host it, you know, uh, Southern Cal, Northern Cal. I mean, you can get everyone through in a week if you wanted to do Monday through Sunday at the same location doing mor- morning and afternoon. I mean, it's possible. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of, uh, companies that serve the water industry and a lot of uh you know um associations that serve the water industry listens podcasts hopefully you guys step in and help that because it impacts your guys's business i know there's a lot of uh conferences that got canceled i don't know how the allocation of money goes but you know maybe you help this this cause to get the operator certified to continue their levels of uh, certification progression because uh, at the end of the day, it's it's always it's only benefiting your guys's cause because you know more certified operators, more experienced operators are going to be looking at the product, and you know I'm sure it helps it helps industry because at the end of the day, you know trying to get these guys certified, including myself, you know it, it's a it's a big it's a big step in the in the, their career path. So you know hopefully you know some of these uh, companies or associations that are listening, you know help chime in or help chip in and you know help yeah. help provide at least a place or help help provide a solution to maybe some of the um, bumps in the road or some walls right. they hit. I, I guarantee you this is what's going to happen, right? Because there is a lot of agencies and, and, and quite a few, a couple handfuls of agencies have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I uh, uh, appreciate your efforts. I heard what you're doing because I did that post like uh, last week on on what we're talking about right now, about what I'm trying to do with the state. What I think this is what's going to happen. So you got close to 2,000 agencies throughout California, right? And yeah. What's going to happen is, okay, say a tenth of those. So you get 200 agencies call the state and say, hey, we want to do emergency testing at our location for our five operators, right? Yep. The state's going to say, nope, <laughs> that's too much work, right? Yep. It's too much. And then how do they say who's more of an emergency over the other? So yep. that's what I'm saying. If you get one big location in Southern California and Northern California and you, do, you facilitate all the tests all together, you'll get through it. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot faster than trying to, you know, facilitate testing for private, you know, uh, private testing for, you know, these different agencies. Uh, but, you know, I th- you know, again, before I called them, it was a no. Right. They I knew they were going to cancel. It was a no. So it's like if they say no, it's, you know, no love loss. We're still waiting till March. So it, it's really it's really up to them. But it, I, I definitely think it's a doable option. And oh, yeah. um, we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe the um, maybe the state does a call for proctors and they do an emergency rush to try to get some proctors uh, certified or, or you know, maybe temporarily certified to help aid the process. That way, they can make things go a little bit quicker. But I, I think that maybe a resolution needs to be given between now and March because you know it's a big window, and it, it is but fast. You know, it's, it's it's a huge window. Yeah, and then there's six more months. You know. Yeah, um, and so hopefully, hopefully this uh, this continues and. Uh, progresses positively and at least you know maybe you get 200 operators certified 
you know, yeah. or a hundred, that's hundred, that's a hundred more than what it is right now. Right. So, yeah. you know, adding things a step in the right direction. Sure. And that's maybe, you know, that's 5%, 10% of what, you know, of those that are scheduled to take it already. So, you know, every, I think every little bit would help. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's, there's some operators that, you know, I have a, an operator right now that, uh, Watsonville that, you know, hell of a worker, uh, Manny Garnica, throw you out there, do a little shout out. Right. Um, hell of a worker, right. Always comes to work super positive. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but now he's missed the, the test now twice. And so he's, you know, he's on a, an extension of his probation and we're going to try to figure out what we can do to like either keep him on, you know, full time with a little, you know, side letter in his, you know, file just saying that, you know, granted he passes his test, but you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, cause we hear, oh man, I got an extension on my probation. Like do that just, it, it's like, it's almost like a check mark on you, but it's, it's not, you know, it's, this is uh, definitely out of a lot of people's hands is uh, the COVID and the, the, uh, you know, postponing our tests. But uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, like Manny are, you know, in the same position or m- might have lost their position because the agency didn't know how to handle it. Well, yeah, like, a, well, still progress. And I think maybe you guys continue to go through training. I mean, I'm still looking through trainings. I'm still taking trainings online to show to your employer that even though you're an extension of probation that, Hey, I'm still going to school and may not be my treatment certification distribution certification I need, but I'm doing some sort of schooling to show that I'm still being proactive in my education. Uh, It makes a difference. It does. Online college courses, eight, eight hours here, eight hours there. It shows that you're still, you know, being diligent on your training, even though you're presented with the roadblock like this COVID. But I mean, you're, you're going through all this and then you mentioned you're going through a career change because you're looking as another option from Watsonville now. And what made you, what made you take that on in your career path? I know it kind of changed it, but you're doing that while you're, you're changing your, your position right. and being coming another, uh, another employee for another district now, you know, not right. Watsonville. So, so say that again. Well, what, yeah, what, what, you know, what made you make that change? What, what made me change for uh, years? And, you know, this is somewhere where you're changing. It seemed like at Watsonville, you're, you were pretty well set where you had, you know, your position and you had a great, uh, you had a great situation there. Uh, what made you want to change that, that and to change your career path to go maybe somewhere else? Is it a different position? Is it a different field? Is it the same field or, you know, in all, what was your, deciding factor to continue to go this yeah, direction now. I don't, I don't, um, again, still going through the recruiting process. So it's not a hundred percent, uh, of an option right now, but, um, first and foremost, the reason I wanted to do this, make this change is, uh, to be closer to my sons. Um, and, you know, just be completely, you know, honest and personal right now. My, uh, you know, my son turned 13, my eldest son turned 13 on May 20th. And I'm doing the math and I'm like, you know, he's going to be 18 in five years. You know, if he goes off to college or whatever he chooses to do, he'll be 18 and he'll do, you know, he'll do whatever he wants to do. And I might not get as much time with him, you know, after that point. And so, you know, and I figured, okay, if I'm seeing him X amount of days or X amount of times per year and for an average of X amount of days at a time, I just was not happy with how many days I potentially had him you know, for the next five years. And it was less than a hundred days, you know, for the next five years that I had him with. And I was just like, fuck, I was just like, you know what? It's uh, it's time to go, you know? And, 
you know, four years ago, I was never in an, in a, in a position, you know, financially, uh, to make, to make a move like that. You know, I, you know, Watsonville has always been good to me, always created opportunities for me. And, um, I always had a solid, solid income, um, there that helped me through my rough patch. And now with the classes, it's given me another opportunity where, you know, I could take a cut and pay and go somewhere else and still be good and be able to be close to my kids. Um, and I'm in a great relationship right now where I have a lot of support at home. And, um, and so, yeah, so, um, that's what we did. So we, you know, moved down to Southern California yet. Um, I'm still, you know, on the books with Watsonville. I put in my 30 day notice already and, um, and it's going to be extremely hard to leave there, man. Cause, uh, you know, all those guys that I work with, whether the ones I hate them or the ones I love, like, dude, they're all family, you know? Right. Uh, and whether the, the ones that I don't care for and they don't care for me, uh, whether they know it or not, like they're all, they're my family, you know? And, oh, yeah. uh, I'll always appreciate even those guys because at the end of the day, I learned something from them about more about myself. And, uh, and I've, I've been better because of those relationships, the good ones and the bad ones. And so, uh, it's going to be extremely hard to leave that place. Um, but it's time, you know, it's time to be closer to my kids and, uh, start a new chapter and, uh, create another badass team, you know, somewhere else. And, um, was this, was this something that you were looking for? Or is this an opportunity that was presented to you? Um, not looking, does it um, make sense, right? Are you, were you looking yeah, for no. change or was it something that was presented to you where you never thought about it, but if you sat back and looked at it, it's like, this makes sense. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm happy with it and I'm complete with making my decision. I, I don't have any regrets. The, yeah, no, um, good question. No, like, uh, so for me, um, it, I was solid in wanting to come down, uh, to my kids, anyone that's ever been in my class, um, they've seen me either get teary eyed or get really serious when I talk about what my, my biggest motivation in and my, and my biggest motivation has always been my, my family, my kids. And, uh, you know, and that's why I work, uh, you know, extremely hard everything that I do and I hold everyone to a high standard because, you know, I think that's what we should be doing for our families. Um, and so I, I made the move to come down here first and then the opportunity presented itself and I went after it again. I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to jinx myself and say, Hey, you know, this is where, what I'm going to be doing or this is the position or where it's at. But, uh, yeah, you know, and that'll come out within the next month. So <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to have to, you know, wait until I, you know, I get, uh, get a start date if I, if I do get a start date. Um, and then we'll go from there, but regardless, you know, I've already, you know, put in at Watsonville that I'm leaving. So whether that position goes through or not, um, completely, um, then we'll, we'll just have to see, but, uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm closer to my sons. They're stoked. Um, they've, you know, they've been at the new place and, you know, really excited that, uh, that we're close and we've had a couple dinner dates since then. And you know, since the move and it's like, man, I've already seen him more times, you know, this month than, than I have in, you know, an average of like three or four months, you know? And so, um, just, just super stoked to this new chapter and to be part of the, you know, my kids' lives, um, more. And, um, but it's taken a lot of hard work to, to have this option right now. And, you know, unfortunately a lot of guys or parents, you know, single parents that, uh, are in that co-parenting, you know, stage and, and, uh, feeling like it's just, 
too overwhelming and, and, you know, and can't see their kids and, or feel like they can't, or, you know, something's holding them back. Um, it's temporary. It's uh it's going to pass, continue to work hard, continue to look forward and, um, keep moving forward. And, uh, and you'll get to where you want to be. You'll get to where you need to be. And, you know, sometimes when it, pres- and when the opportunities present themselves, you might not think that it's for you or it's, it's going to be, uh, different, you know, um, than what you're used to seeing, but it's probably a great thing and you might as well take the risk and go for it. So, and that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's different from what I'm used to. Um, it's going to, it's coming with a lot of different challenges that, that I'm not used to for a lot less pay. And, um, but I'm going to hit the ground running and because I know that it's, it's for a better life with my family. So it seems like you, um, you have the right intuition and, and, uh, salary is not your motivation for this decision. And it's more of a personal, personal choice and then that. So I think, I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a bad choice in your call, but, uh, um, Watsonville was pretty uh, positive with uh, letting you close the book with them. They weren't very, they weren't feeling like there was a unleft business or there was a something lingering that you should complete before you leave. They were pretty positive with your with you coming and talking to them. You know, and that's uh, that's a conversation I had with my director when I talked about leaving, and uh, I told him I wasn't ready. You know, when I was first kicking around the idea, I said, "Oh, I, I didn't." You know, for the last year, I've talked about potentially, you know, leaving or retiring when I'm, you know, forty, and just do my classes. And um, and I said, I said, but I just feel like there's a lot of loose ends still. There's a lot. There's projects I want to get completed, or I want to train these guys up a little bit more. I want to get, you know, get these, uh, you know, these hurdles, you know, knocked down so that the guys have a better, you know, opportunity to grow or whatever it is. And he said, uh, there will always be loose ends. Where, you know, wherever, if you're going from one place to another or one chapter to another, there will always be loose ends that are left behind. But the next place or the next chapter will have loose ends already waiting for you. And I said, they'll just be packaged differently, right? And he's like, exactly. And he's like, and you're going to tie up those loose ends. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck, dude. When he said that, I was just like, that's all I needed to hear. Because, like, I feel bad that I didn't get everything done that I wanted to get done. And you know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, when the guy left before me and I took over, like there was all kinds of loose ends, right? Right. And you and had to so, either address it or create your own. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know that, you know, we're, you know, light years ahead of where we were, you know, just eight years ago from, you know, a lot of the hard work that we, we did as a team and, you know, and, and me being on the front end of that. And so I'm really excited for this new challenge and uh, tying up a bunch of new loose ends, basically. Well, I, I had an opportunity meeting some of the individuals that uh, were your subordinates at um, one of the Cal Nevada conferences, and I think I think that you're leaving that that uh, agency in good hands with those staff that, that are still there, if they're still there. I I, th- I think that I think that um, you left an influence or you left a mark on them to where you know your uh, your residual will still be there, and uh, and you'll maybe you may get those those things accomplished not directly under you, but you may be able to get to see it. Um, flourish as from a different perspective as the outside looking in instead of being in the inside getting it done yeah and that may be well, really rewarding on itself yeah you know that's uh this it's life right there's always going to be somebody before us and someone after us so you right. know our, our thing is just to try to make it better than what it was before and 
try not to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, do the place, do the place better than where I you think are. I've done. I think I did a little bit of both, so, well, so I'll just leave it at that. You've been there long enough. You've been there long enough to where you you know you're gonna have your moments there. So you know as yeah. as, as expected, right? So yeah, that's it. it man. It's, it comes with the territory. But that's uh, it. It does. It does. And you know, and at the end of the day, nobody nobody could say that I did something maliciously or I was a bad dude or. You know, I treated someone like shit or whatever it is. Like it, it always came from a good place. They just might not have seen it from my perspective as a manager, and uh, that's that's where the differences are. But you know, I could wholeheartedly say that like I gave it, I gave it all I had, or I treated everybody like they were my brothers. And anytime I hired somebody, I always looked at it like they were coming into our family, and this is a family business, you know. And uh, we're just here to you know provide for our families, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's just basically the mentality that I had. And, uh, and, uh, I hope, you know, I know, I hope that the, uh, the next guy that takes on whoever it is, um, there's, they're a little unsure of who it's going to be right now, but, uh, whoever, you know, takes the baton, uh, can take it to the next level, you know, take it, can take it to the next level that I couldn't take it to. Well, whoever that guy is, uh, maybe it's the guy that's changing your radio stations. You shouldn't be so hard on him. Because, uh, this is making it home now. And you got to understand that it's, uh, it's not your truck. <laughs> so, you saw yeah, that post. <laughs> yeah. So you're just, you know, you're just a body there. So the guy, warming up the guy resets back. He's warming up the seat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, got the, he's got the seat now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, right on, man. I think uh, I think we should call it, man. I think uh, I think it's a lot for everybody to munch on for a little bit, and uh, and uh, yeah, man. I appreciate your time, Robert, and uh, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon, man. I think I think we've got a little little bit of chemistry here, and uh, you got a lot of great uh, knowledge, a lot of great perspective. And uh, I, I definitely think that uh, we got something good going on, so we'd like to keep it going and uh, and do another podcast in the near future, man. Well, yeah, sounds great, man. I'm like I, uh, I appreciated the positive feedback I got, you know, after it, and I still got got some of it, you know, even well after it, and uh, I'm I enjoy it and I, I welcome it. So, like I said, if anybody you know wants to reach out and talk to me, feel free to do it. Um, I I, I uh, enjoy all types of conversation, and it helps me as an individual grow. Maybe sometimes right I might not hit some things that people expected, and sometimes I may have, but. Uh, it's all it's all for good, man. So I, I take all types of criticism openly, but uh, maybe next time we talk, we'll fill the, we'll find out the results of uh, of uh, you know your outcome, and hopefully it's on the positive end. And we can right. talk about where you're at and uh, what what type of uh, what type of environment you're coming into and what you're going to bring to the table. Sounds good, man. I'll tell you all about all my new headaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I have new adventures, right? <laughs> right, new 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 endeavors, man. Take us a positive, man. That's yeah. it. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again, man. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, Steve. All right, guys. All right. right. Thanks again, man, for joining everybody. And uh, you guys take it easy. All right. Peace.